Blog Talk Radio. years 40 years 
competitive shooting, and he still learned a great deal uh, at an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event. How can you beat that? And uh, if you're wondering how to go about finding a, a location uh, to finding out more about the event, you can go to our homepage, rwva.org, and uh, it's a great job by our tech folks. They've done a lot of great work on the homepage, and it's uh, looking really really very nice and uh, has a lot of information there. <clears throat> if you go to the homepage, uh, there's a list of tabs across the top. You go to the second one from the left. It says Appleseed. Put your cursor on that. You'll get a drop-down menu. On the drop-down menu, select Schedule. That will take you to a, a page uh, that has, I believe it has a map of the United States on it. And then you can either click on the state where you wish to attend an event or uh, embedded in the text above it, there's a hot link that will take you to all of the events across the United States. All right, so click on the state where you'd like to attend an event, take a look at the events, the dates, and where they're located. And I can tell you right now that there's an a, a, uh, Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event going on every weekend in the United States. Every, every weekend there's an event going on within a reasonable driving distance from you, all right? And uh, when I say reasonable, I mean no more than, uh, oh, maybe three or 400 miles at the most, all right? You're going to find an event that you can attend every weekend of the year. And uh, reasonable, of course, is a reasonable driving distance is different for different folks. If you live out in West Texas, a reasonable driving distance is uh, certainly a great deal uh, further than uh, folks, uh, say, packed together out on the East Coast. Folks out in West Texas, uh, they'll drive to go out to dinner at night. They'll drive uh, 120 miles because that's how far they have to go to get to a restaurant. So to them, that's a fairly reasonable distance. Uh, however, you take a look at the schedule, and you'll find an event close enough to you to make it uh, a reasonable distance, and it's always going to be worthwhile for you to attend it. As I said earlier, whether you've just taken your rifle out of the box or if you've been shooting for many years, either way, you're going to learn a great deal at an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event because you're going to learn more than just about the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship. You're going to learn about this nation. You're going to, about to learn about the events that occurred on April 19, 1775. That's the day this nation was started. You're going to find out what happened, how, how it came about, why it came about, who the players were, and what they did. Not many nations can track down their their birth date to its exact date and hour, and we can. And we're going to talk to you about that at an Apple Seed Weekend. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> not only is it the best course offered anywhere in the United States for the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship, it's also the least expensive. Uh, we're not interested in making money, we're interested in making riflemen. So we've made the course as uh, affordable as we can, and and it hasn't, uh, prices haven't gone up since we started. It's still 70 bucks for a weekend. 70 bucks if you pre-register for the event. They'll get you two days of rifle marksmanship instruction, a uh, t-shirt, and uh, 
and a great deal of history. Now, there are also other uh, – uh, it could be even cheaper uh, if you uh, if you belong to certain categories. If you're a law enforcement officer or if you're active duty guard or reserve, we're offering the courses to you free. And I think it's only a logical uh, – it's only logical that we offer these courses free to our law enforcement officials and to our armed forces. These are the folks who uh, – who make their living every day with a firearm in their hands. We want to make sure that they have the ability to use it uh, with skill. If you're a woman, then you can attend the event for 10 bucks. If you're a, uh, a child or youth, and that's anyone under 21 years of age, you can attend for $5. Now, obviously, $10 is a lot less than 70 which is a lot less than 250 to 500 for a weekend, which is what a lot of folks charge. <clears throat> so 10 bucks for a two-day rifle marksmanship event for a woman or $5 for a two-day event for a child is pretty, uh, is pretty affordable. And, uh, and we're not doing it because women have, uh, have some uh, need to be propped up we're doing it because we'd like for you to attend the events as families if you can. I mean, if you're the if a male head, hold, head uh, of the household and you want to take your family to an event, you pay for yours, and then uh, we'll have the the wife for 10 bucks and the kids for 5 That way all of you can attend the event uh, for the least uh, price possible. So that's why we're doing that. We're making the... Uh, the children price as low as we can because it's very important that that your children learn how to uh, competently handle a rifle and how to safely handle a rifle. And at an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event, not only will you get uh, two days of uh, absolutely fantastic fundamentals of rifle marksmanship skills, and history, but you'll receive a, a really rock-solid foundation in rifle safety. We take rifle safety very, very seriously, and uh, we have got a great record for uh, safety at the events. And we teach the safety in such a way that uh, when you come away from a weekend, an apple seed weekend, then you've got a foundation in rifle safety. You know how to handle a rifle safety, safely, and you know how to handle yourself at a range or at an event safely. And that's very important. So you're getting a great deal of value uh, for your dollar. All right, so when you want to find out how to go, you can go to rwva.org. That's our homepage, and you can... Put your cursor on the Appleseed tab at the top left. On the drop-down menu, you'll select Schedule. That will take you to the, uh, the schedule of events. Now, I've told you guys many times before, too, that when you're looking at the schedule of events, don't just think about going. Don't think about that it, it might be good to someday go to, this, uh, go to this course and take the course. It might be fun. It, 
you know, it's something you should put on your calendar for something to do in the future. No, no, no. No. When you select the event, go ahead and get registered for the event right then and there. All right? There's, uh, there are hundreds of would-have, could-have, should-haves in most people's uh, lives. Don't make this another one. Make this a uh, done deal. <clears throat> Find the event that you'd like to attend. And then to the right of the event that you'd like to attend are two hot tabs, two hot links. One says event information, and that will tell you the, that will give you all the information needed for that specific event on that specific date. The other one says register. Now, once you've found the event you want to uh, attend, click on that, and you can register right then and there for the event. That will make sure that you have a place on the line, and it will let us know how many people are coming to that event. Uh, we base how many instructors we send to an event on the number of folks that are pre-registered. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you that with events going on all across the nation, uh, it's, a pretty, uh, it's a pretty hectic schedule to keep up, making sure that everybody has uh, – that there's enough instructors for each event, that they have uh, plane tickets and hotel reservations or rental cars and – and that we have the right amount of gear shipped out to that location, et cetera. So make sure that you take the uh, couple of minutes it takes and pre-register for the event that you selected that you'd like to attend. Now, while you're on the pre-registration page, uh, it is the Eventbrite. That's who we use for it. There you can also become a member of Appleseed. You can click on the... Uh, Join Appleseed or become a member link. And I believe it's still 20 bucks for a one-year membership. Now, what this will do is if you go to the event and you have your paid receipt with you and then you also bring your Appleseed membership receipt with you, then if you shoot at that event and you decide, this is something I really like and I want to keep shooting until I've shot to rifleman standards, so I'll shot a two ten or above on the AQT. <clears throat> then, if you do not do it that weekend, and listen, folks, this is—it's uh, not something that's easy to do. I'm not saying I'm not going to tell you that you can't do it in one weekend because a lot of folks do, but I'm not going to tell you that it's easy either because it's not. It's very difficult to shoot to a four minute of arc standard. All right, if you go to an event and you don't shoot to rifleman standards that day or that weekend, then you can take that receipt, the paid receipt for your, uh, for your weekend, and the receipt for your Appleseed membership to the shoot boss and tell him that you would like to get enrolled in the Rifleman's Opportunity Program. What he'll do is he'll affix a sticker to your card that will make you a, uh, a Rifleman's Opportunity member. That means that you can sh continue to shoot at events anywhere in the nation at uh, no charge for one year or until you shoot to rifleman standards. That means you can keep coming back, you can keep shooting at no charge. Now that's that's about as good a deal as you're going to find anywhere uh, in the nation. All right, so be sure to take advantage of that. <clears throat> All right, uh, this. Uh, at the beginning of the show, we always take some time out to tell everybody thanks. The 
local crews. Uh, Appleseed is a great organization, and uh, and we have a a very tough mission that we're trying to achieve. We're trying to uh, to get every person that we can off the couch, get them involved in their life, uh, <clears throat> teach them about rifle marksmanship and about the history of this nation, and get them involved in the maintenance and the running of this nation, uh, which is their duty. They, each and every American citizen has uh, a sacred obligation to preserve the rights and freedoms that living in this nation affords them. And we're doing our best to get every single person we can involved in this. So we have a mission that is at times runs us ragged. And we don't always tell everybody thanks. And there's a lot of people in this program that are working very hard. And uh, first of all, let me just send out a blanket thanks to all of our instructors, all of the staff members, all of the IT folks, everybody involved in running the program. Thank you so much for what you do. And then for a local level, we'd like for any of you guys that, uh, that would like to say thanks to any of your local crews. This is the time part of the show that we do that. You guys uh, are welcome to call in 347 Three zero eight eight seven nine zero, and tell uh, tell your local crews thank you for what they're doing. It's either the shoot boss that just ran an event, uh, somebody that just uh, uh, that just shot to rifleman standards on their uh, uh, AQT, somebody who has uh, uh, somebody who has past a PC, somebody's got their red hat, uh, any of this. So make sure that you uh, make sure that you are calling in to thank these folks and let them know that uh, you appreciate what they're doing. So let me see. I've got uh, I've got several people I want to thank right now. Let me make sure that. Uh, let me make sure I've got the right email here. <clears throat> I want to thank uh, all of the new red hats that we have here in Texas. All right, we've got uh, Texas Rifleman, M14NG, Wolf, uh Olfart and let's see, and then Andrew. Now I told you guys that uh, about uh, Andrew at the last radio show. Uh, he was the youngest instructor here in Texas, just turned 15, just took his uh, full instructor test and passed it, and he received his red hat. Now we also had the uh, the rest of the guys here. That uh, pass their pass their full instructor exam last week at Atlanta, and uh, I want to thank Pop for uh, working with those guys and giving them their 
their test and then also thank those guys for the work that they're doing. So Wolf in 14, Texas Rothman, Olford. Then, uh, and you guys know now that your next job after passing your uh, full instructor exam and getting your red hat is to go straight to the instructor schedule and get signed up. <clears throat> so make sure that you are uh, make sure that you're doing that, and uh, you're getting yourself signed up for the events. All right, and the rest of you guys, three four seven. Three zero eight eight seven nine zero. That's for you to call in and say thank you to. It doesn't even have to be uh, any of the instructors or staff. All right, it could be somebody uh, from another organization that has been helping you, or somebody, some other individual that has helped you with a shoot or a range. Any of those folks. We want to thank our uh, our good friends, the uh, Diva organization. That's the uh, uh, women Outdoors Worldwide, I would like to thank them for all the help they give Appleseed, especially when we do the ladies-only shoots, and they uh, they fill them up really quickly. And I would like to thank uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, Andrew and Lauren LeCren, uh Star Fox and Double L uh, on the forum, uh, they've been helping to put together the Texas shooting crew, and uh, we will be shooting a match tomorrow morning, bright and early, at Camp Swift here in Texas. And uh, and I guess I'm going to be shooting in it too because uh, I just got a call a few minutes ago saying one of the uh, shooters was not going to be able to make it, so I'm going to. Uh, take their place at the last second here for the 600-meter event. So be sure and uh, wish us all good skill. And remember that this is something that uh, each and every one of you guys can be doing too, getting your state crews together and getting a team put together on your state crews so that you can shoot in events. You go and shoot in the events with your uh, Appleseed gear on, and uh, that's a great way to promote the program. I want to thank the California crews. They did that uh, just recently. They shot in an event, and I believe they placed well in it too. And uh, uh, so they're doing their they're doing their part to show for other folks in the shooting sports that. Uh, that the apple seed shooters are on par with any other organizations. <clears throat> All right, so uh, anybody who would like to call in, 347-308-8790. Now, we're going to go ahead and get started with the show. And uh, if you'd like to call in and uh, give anybody thanks, then uh, then we'll be glad to to take your calls at any point. Uh, just go ahead and call in, and we'll we'll put you through on that. Also, uh, we're going to be talking tonight about uh, about uh, uh, the the techniques to keep your skills honed whenever you are not able to get to the range. The way that you can practice and uh, 
uh, your dry firing, mag changes, and stuff like that. If you have any uh, kind of techniques that you uh, use that you'd like to share with us, then we'll be glad to take those too. So just give us a call. You can call in at uh, 347-308-8790 to to get on the air. We'll talk about those. Okay. So if you've been to an Apple Feed event, one of the things that you're going to hear there is you're going to be talked to about dry firing. And uh, this may be at the beginning of the uh, the event, or it may come later. It may come uh, during ball and dummy. Because dry firing is a very, very important part of your shooting program. Shooting, just like any other learned skill, is uh, can deteriorate, deteriorate uh, very quickly. And if you don't use it, uh, your skills can begin to diminish quite rapidly. Uh, when you go to the range, a lot of folks will go to the range and they will shoot and then they get home, they put their rifle in the closet along with their shooting skills, and both of them get rusty. So what can you do to keep this from happening? You can dry fire. <coughs> now, dry firing is where you're going to uh, you're going to fire your rifle without live ammunition uh, in the chamber. Now, you can do this by uh, using a dummy round. Uh, there are plenty of different devices you can get for it. Uh, I'm not going to talk to you about those because that's going to be up to you. If you have just, just a uh, a 22, uh, uh, like a Ruger 10-22, then it's safe to dry fire it without anything in the chamber. And uh, the reason I know this is because uh, myself and quite a few other folks have probably put about 10,000 rounds through our Ruger 10-22s in dry fire, and it hasn't caused a problem whatsoever. However, I will tell you this. Make sure that you check... uh, your rifles and do a little bit of research before you start doing this. I'll tell you that on a lot of the older uh, or foreign-made rifles, uh, this may not be a good idea. Don't get Grandpa's uh, 22 rifle down or, or, or any rifle and start dry firing it without checking it uh, and making sure that it's safe to do that. However, with the a lot of the modern uh, rimfire rifles. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't cause a problem, so you can do this all day long. <clears throat> and when you dry fire, every bit uh, you're getting every bit of the information. You're getting all of the benefits of live firing because your brain does not know the difference between dry firing and live firing until it gets to the to the report and recoil, and by that time, you've already gotten the benefit of dry firing. All right? So what you'll do is you'll learn these skills and techniques at an event. 
then when you get home, <clears throat> you can use dry firing to keep those skills uh, honed and to work out any glitches in your program. Now, the way I started doing it is I would go through all of the positions because here's the thing: when you, you uh, when you come to an apple seed event, and let me, let me I'm going to back up and tell you about uh, about the order that I do this in. When you come to an apple seed rifle marksmanship event, we're going to be teaching you to shoot in uh, in different positions. You'll be shooting in standing, you'll be shooting in seated, and then in prone. And one of the things that uh, we try to explain to you is that you need a, to build a, a good, supported position. One of the things we try not to tell people is to find a good, comfortable position because uh, comfortable does not equal good. And many of the positions that we're going to ask you to get in, when you're in them correctly, it is not going to be comfortable. So instead what we're asking you to find is a sustainable, repeatable position. I mean, the position that you can get into, and you can sustain yourself in that position uh, for a period of time in order to complete your course of fire, and then you can repeat it. That means you can get into it, into that same position every time. <clears throat> so part of the drive firing regimen that we explain to folks is this. When, they, when we teach them the positions at an apple seat, you can see the folks now standing. Of course, that standing is... Uh, is usually the easiest position for every person because uh, everybody's shot in the standing position. It's just the position you learn to shoot in usually and and probably the position that most people uh, have taken most of their shots in. And that takes us to sitting. Now, sitting is a, is a bit more difficult because to get in a good, uh, sustainable, repeatable, supported position in sitting might require a little bit of work, and a lot of folks, uh, uh, a lot of folks find getting into a seated position to be a bit difficult, especially when they're first trying at an apple seed, and uh, it can be painful. When I got to the correct seated position the first time uh, when I was at an apple seed boot camp, I remember thinking that oh, I'm just going to pull the trigger until I fire every round out of here so that I can get out of this position and uh, that's what I did and it took a while in order for me to get into a uh, seated position there was the correct seated position and then it was sustainable and repeatable so how do you do this well you can incorporate it into your dry firing program now what I tell folks to do is you can go home and uh, you can get in your uh, your bedroom or your living room, wherever it is, with your rifle, no ammunition. Get with your rifle and then get down into the seated position. Now, you don't have to stay in this seated position until you cry. You can just get down into that seated position, uh, stay there for, uh, for 10, 15, 20 seconds, and then get out of it. And then that's it. That's it. You're done for the night. All right? You don't have to make this a painful thing that you go into over and over. The next night, the same thing. Get down into your seated position. Stay there for uh, for 25 or 35 seconds. All right? 
saying, get out of it, and that's it. You're done for the night. Now, you keep doing this, and after a week or two weeks, you'll find that you can get into the position, and all of a sudden, 60 seconds has gone by without you realizing it, all right? <clears throat> and this is all going to come from uh, 15 or 20 seconds a night. So you get into the seated position. You... Uh, Get into your seated position and uh, uh, and stay in it, uh, you know, for the uh, 10, 15, 20 seconds, and then you can get out of it. Keep doing that till you've built it up to where you can stay in it for two minutes, to three minutes, to four minutes. And, uh, and each time you do it, you're going to be getting into the position the same way. You're going to be building it and you're going to be working it and kind of stretching out the limits on it, seeing what works best for you. <clears throat> you'll be developing the muscle memory for that position and you'll be uh, stretching out your muscles and tendons so that uh, it's easier to get into the position. All right, This is part of your, what I consider to be part of your dry firing program. And uh, that the dry firing program is anything you do within the program that uh, that you do without shooting. So that would be anything. That will be everything that you do in your house, right? No shooting in the house, folks. All right. And uh, and I say this jokingly, but I'm very very serious about it too. Uh, people do this all the time. They they don't clear their rifles. They put a mag in that has a round in it. Something. Now, I don't know of any Appleseed folks that have done this, but I know of other folks that have. So so make sure that your rifle is a clear rifle, and you know how to do that, all right? Mag out, bolt to the rear. When you pull the bolt to the rear, you look down into the chamber to ensure that there is not a round in there, all right? So you're going to be getting in and out of your seated position, in order to make sure that you uh, that that position becomes repeatable and sustainable. Now, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm, you know, you'll never hear me say try and find a comfortable position because even now, seated is not what I would call comfortable for me. It's uh, sustainable and it's repeatable. Uh, now, the same thing with prone. You're going to do the same thing with prone. You're going to get down into your prone position. Now, prone is usually a little bit easier because most of us spend uh, a certain number of hours of our life uh, horizontally. And uh, the only thing that's different about prone is that you're going to be up on your elbows and uh, you'll have a slight arch in your back, and then your trigger leg is going to be pulled up tight. <clears throat> now, I realize that some folks are going to have problems with both of these positions because uh, there are plenty of folks that have uh, back injuries or <clears throat> or shoulder injuries or leg, hip, or knee injuries. Not a problem. You're going to get into that position. You're going to get into the best position you can get. And then you're going to try to do a little bit more each time. That's how you're going to add uh, the range of motion. And if you can only get a certain amount, then you can only get a certain amount of motion. But the way that you're going to to make it sustainable and repeatable is by practicing it and rehearsing it. 
You're going to get down into the prone position. You're going to stay there for a few moments. And then you're going to get back out of the position. And you'll keep repeating it. Uh, you'll keep repeating it until it becomes sustainable and repeatable. All right? Now, you can try this with the the standing also, and we'll go through that in just a few minutes. But for the seated and prone, that's going to be part of your dry firing regimen. You're going to be getting into these positions, and you're going to get into them just like you do at an apple seed. What you'll do is whenever you get into your room, you're going to uh, you'll have a target that you've already pre-selected, now, in hotel rooms, when I stay in hotel rooms and stuff, I just use the uh, the like the ground uh, the ground receptacle on an electric plug there on the wall. You know, it's fairly low uh, on the ground, and it's a nice small, tiny circle. And what I'm talking about is when you have the electrical plugs, you've got the two slots, and then down immediately below it, you have the ground receptacle. So you got the two slots and then the round hole. Use the round hole on the bottom of the uh, on the double electric uh, plugs, and that's usually my target. So what I do, just like as when I'm at the apple seed, I'll start facing that target, and then I'll orient myself approximately uh, between 25 and 40 degrees to my strong side. All right. Then I'll get down into the position, and then uh, I'll either stay there for the uh, for the two or three seconds that I can stay there. If I'm just starting out, now I can stay there now for four or five minutes. But if you're just starting out, you stay there for the the, uh, the 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds that you can, then get back out of it, all right? And then you can get into your prone. Same thing for the prone. If you're getting ready to get down into your prone, you look at your target, and then you orient yourself approximately 25 to uh, 35 degrees to the strong side. The strong side is going to be your trigger side. Your trigger hand side. If you're right-handed, your strong side is your right-hand side. So you're going to orient yourself uh, approximately 25, 35 degrees to your strong side. Get down into your position. You're going to get your uh, make sure that your support elbow is fully underneath your rifle as far as you can get it. That your sling is snug. That your uh, support hand is open with the rifle stock. Uh, crossing across your open hand. You're going to make sure that your spine is in alignment with your support leg. You're going to make sure your trigger leg is pulled up nice and tight as far as you can. You're going to make sure that your uh, trigger elbow is firmly planted. You're not tripoding. It's firmly planted. Make sure that you're pulling the stock into your shoulder with a nice, firm, handshake grip, that you're not dragging wood, and that you have uh, turkey-necked. You've extended all the vertebrae in your neck. Uh, lengthen it as far as possible, then bring your head down to the rifle and get a good cheek weld. All right, now that you've done that, you're going to go through your NPOA drill. Now, if you don't know what that is, we're not going to discuss it here. We'll do that uh, at the apple seed. Go through your NPOA drill, get your natural point of aim, determine what it is, and shift it onto that bottom hole on the plug. Once you've got this and you've got it good to go, you've uh, verified your in POA, your natural point of aim, by doing your uh, natural point of aim verification drill. And then you're going to begin your dry fire. All right? You're going to, 
execute the shot by the six steps. Now, the reason this is really good is because you know when you're dry firing, you know that there is not going to be a round in the chamber. And please make sure you know that there's not a round in the chamber. All right, you know that there's not going to be a round in the chamber, so you know there's not going to be a report or recall, right? So you're going to execute the shot by the six steps, and when you squeeze that trigger, when the trigger breaks, and you have your eye focused on the front sight, and you have your mind focused on keeping that front sight on the target, you're going to be able to see if you impart any motion to that barrel. You're going to be able to see that because there's not going to be a uh, recoil or report that's going to mask that. So you'll be able to see every bit of, uh, of uh, wiggle or flinch that you put in there. So you keep doing that. You do it over and over and over with your dry firing. Now, I say over and over and over. You don't have to do it until you get yourself sick of it, all right? Uh, do 10 rounds. Do 15 rounds the first time you get down there, all right? And then get up. And that's it for the evening. Uh, the next night, you fire, uh, fire a half box, fire 25, dry fires, fire 25, dry fires. The next night, do 50. Every time you do this, every time you dry fire around, you're getting all of the benefits that you're getting from live firing the round. You're going to be working on your breathing. You're going to be working on your trigger control, making sure that your trigger squeeze is a, uh, a good controlled trigger squeeze. When you're squeezing the trigger... You're making sure that you're doing it in such a fashion that uh, the barrel does not move in the least whenever that trigger breaks. And then when the trigger breaks, you're going to be making sure that you are following through, that you're holding the trigger to the rear, and that you're taking a mental snapshot of where the front side is when the trigger broke. And during this dry fire drills that you're doing, what you're doing is you're committing this way of doing it to your muscle memory. Now, a lot of folks, uh, they they go to the range and shoot, and they have some little glitches in their program that are masked by their recoil and report. This is going to help you because now, if you do this enough, if you rehearse this and you dry fire enough, what you're going to do is you're going to develop a new habit. You're going to develop a new way of doing it, and you're going to take it with you to the range, and guess what? That's how you're going to shoot. You're going to shoot with the new way that you have taught yourself. You know, everybody's heard the old uh, saying that you play like you practice, all right? If you you practice uh, half honey, then that's how you're going to play. You're going to play half honey. If you practice your dry firing, if you dry fire and dry fire until that barrel doesn't move, those sights don't move at all when that trigger breaks, then that's how you're going to shoot when you get back to the range. So this is an extremely worthwhile 
program to be involved in. <clears throat> okay, along with that, <clears throat> along with the getting up and down into your position and uh, and working on your seated, prone, and standing, you're going to be doing the dry firing, all right? <clears throat> now, along with that, <clears throat> what I'd like for you to do <clears throat> is to start uh, start teaching yourself how to tactically breathe. Now, what I mean by tactical breathing, if you look up... Uh, you can look up tactical breathing uh, on the internet. You'll find uh, uh, Colonel Grossman, who wrote uh, on combat and on killing. He's one of the advocates of this, and uh, he certainly uh, uh, speaks on it regularly with all the crews that he works with across the nation. And listen, he's got to be one of the workingest men I've ever seen. I was looking at his schedule the other day, and he's running uh, over 300 classes a year. Tactical breathing, and this isn't a new thing. This is something that people have been doing for thousands, tens of thousands of years. If you're working with a martial arts program, then that's what one of the things that they have you doing. It's uh, it's part of your breathing program. So what is tactical breathing? Uh, tactical breathing is a program where, <clears throat> uh, and the way that I would use this is when you're getting ready for a a course of fire and you're in your prep period, right, before the course of fire, especially for stages two and three, and even for stage four. But stage four, you can do it uh, within the course of fire. But with tactical breathing, what you do is you take <clears throat> a breath of air in on a four count, and you're counting it in your head, one, two, three, four, with the breath in. Once the breath is, you've taken it in, then you're holding it for a four count, one, two, three, four. Now you're going to exhale on a four count. One, two, three, four. Now you're going to have a four count after the exhale. One, two, three, four. And you're going to repeat this two times, maybe three times, in some cases four times. Now what this does is it allows you to have an actual disconnect uh, between uh, between yourself, uh, your nerves, your situation, and and your uh, and your excitement level, let's say, or your anxiety level. So you're getting ready to go into stage two or stage three, and you're a bit worried about it, and you're a bit nervous about it. The anxiety and the nervousness are not going to help you, not not right then and there. I mean, it might help you the week before if you're uh, anxious or nervous about it by saying, "Oh, listen, I'm, I'm kind of anxious about this, so I'm going to." I'm going to practice, I'm going to dry fire, then I'm going to go to the range, all right? But it doesn't help you right at that actual time. Your anxiety and your nervousness can uh, can actually get between you and what you want to do. So you're going to use this during your prep period to settle yourself down, to center yourself, and help you to focus yourself. Now, we've talked to you guys about the rifleman's bubble, <clears throat> and this is a perfect place to to insert the tactical breathing is in the prep period when you're starting to lock yourself down in the rifleman's bubble, all right? This will help center you. A lot of uh, law enforcement folks and military folks use this technique. If they uh, 
are getting ready to uh, to go into a uh, a location where there is a, uh, a suspected uh, uh, criminal or an enemy uh, inside there. If they take the tactical breathing exercise and run it, they can they can achieve a a great moment of calm immediately before they do this. It can also be used immediately afterwards uh, to help settle you down, uh, to help you regain focus, all right? So you're going to work on getting in and out of your positions. You're going to work on dry firing, uh, including uh, executing the shot by the six steps, making sure that uh, you're running each of the steps, making sure that the barrel and your sights are not moving whatsoever. You're going to practice your rifleman's bubble by teaching yourself to tactically breathe. Now, another thing that you can do is make sure that uh, you are familiar with your rifle system. Now, most of the folks who come to Appleseed events, and most of the the rifles that folks use nowadays are magazine-fed rifles. Even if it's not, even if it's a tube-fed, it doesn't matter. Even if it's a single action, it doesn't matter. Because what you're going to do next is teach yourself, you're going to become familiar with your rifle system. You're going to become intimately familiar with your rifle system. You're going to grab, if you have a 10-22, you're going to grab your magazines. You're going to make sure that they are both empty magazines. You're going to make sure that you have a safe rifle. You're going to clear it and make sure that it is safe. Now, what I do, you can do this in your home. What I usually do is I do it at the range because uh, with the 10-22, I can do it in the house, but with the with my Garand and with my M14, I don't have uh, dummies in uh, in those rounds, so <clears throat> I practice it at the range a great deal. What I'll do is I'll go to the range, I'll sit on the back of my truck, and then I'll practice putting a round in, taking a round out, putting a mag in, taking the mag out, and I'll do it so that I'm not even looking at the magazine. You should be so familiar with your rifle system that you should be able to reach down there, grab that magazine, be able, without looking at it, to orient it, because no magazines are designed so that they are uh, uh, completely symmetrical so that they can be reversed one way or the other. All right? All of them have some telltale uh, shape or form or something on them so that you can orient them in your hand without looking at them. If you have a 1022, uh, you know that the little teeth that sticks off of it, that's going to be on your thumb. That's going to be on your thumb so that you can place it to the back of the uh, magazine well. <clears throat> so you're going to you're going to practice over and over with your magazines making sure that you know how they're oriented 
in your hand, and then you're going to put them into the magazine well and lock them in place. Then you're going to reach down, you're going to pop the mag out, get the other mag and put it in place and lock it in. And you're going to do this over and over and over so that you become very, very familiar with the working of your rifle. Now, if there's other things that you need to do to it, if it's a 1022 and you want to get used to uh, locking the bolt to the rear and then releasing the bolt with one hand, you can do that too. As a matter of fact, I, I really, I strongly recommend that you do that, that you get uh, that you get used to working all of the functions uh, on your rifle system so that you can do it quickly and easily without even looking at the rifle. And the only way to do this is in repetition. That's the only way you're going to figure this out. A lot of 1022s have their own little uh, hinky things about them, and... Uh, if yours has a little hink in it, then uh, <laughs> then you're going to be doomed until you get it down. And uh, the only way to get it down is through repetition. Now, <clears throat> uh, and you can do this with all your rifles, all right? If you have a single shot, you can do the same thing. Now, once again, if you're going to if you don't have some dummies, and you haven't made absolutely sure that they are dummies by making sure that they're either plastic or that they're marked or something that you can tell and you've taken all the rest of the ammunition out of the room, then don't do this in your house. Do it uh, do it at the range if you need, if need be. <clears throat> but you can sit there. You can uh, open the breech. You can put a round in. You can close a breech. You can open the breech. You can put a round in. You can close the breech. You can do it over and over and over until you can do it in the dark, until you can do it without even thinking about it. You should be doing this on each of your rifle systems to make sure that you are very familiar with them. You need to know uh, what the magazine feels like when you pick it up. You need to know how it needs to be oriented to the rifle. You need to get used to, if you have uh, uh, an M1 Garand, you need to get used to, uh, on, on how to put the end blocks in and close the, uh, the bolt. Uh, how to put them in and close the bolt without stripping around, how to put uh, single or less than eight rounds in an in block and closing the bolt on it. So the only way you're going to do this is by practicing it. The only way that you're going to get familiar with this and have it go smoothly is to practice it. And it doesn't take a lot of time, all right? You can sit there and uh, and spend uh, five minutes on it, ten minutes on it, uh, three times an evening. And at the end of the week, you've got 30 minutes that you've been doing it. Now, you do that for a month, and you have two hours of it, which is, uh, if you look at the actual number of times that you change a mag or uh, or put a round into a rifle, et cetera, you know, during the, the natural course of your trip to the range and stuff, you may have done six months of rehearsals in that uh, uh, in that one month. You may have done a year's worth in that one month of rehearsing it. You have to get this committed to muscle memory in order to make it nice and smooth, be able to do it uh, without thinking, be able to do it in the dark, be able to do it with a blindfold on. And the reason is, and, and when I'm telling you uh, to rehearse your magazine changes, 
I know a lot of people talk about uh, gaming the AQT and stuff like that. This has nothing to do with that. We're not talking about gaming the AQT, all right? Or talking about <clears throat> is learning how to feed your rifle. I don't care what size mag you have. You could have a uh, uh, a mega beta mag. Uh, I don't know that there is such a thing. But say you had one and you had a mega beta mag and it had uh, 800 rounds in it, all right? Well, when you get to round 799, you better be familiar with how to change your Mega Beta Mag, because if you're not, then what good was it? This isn't gaming. This is becoming familiar with your rifle system. No matter how many rounds you can put in it, at some point, it's going to run dry, and you'll have to put in a new mag. You'll have to put in another round, and you better know how to do this. Uh, when you're asked to do things uh, under stress, like uh, when you're shooting stage two and stage three uh, of the AQT, you know there's the there's the stress of a timed uh, course of fire, along with multiple targets and everything else. The last thing you need to be doing is fumbling your magazine. All right, and the way to make sure you're not fumbling it is by rehearsing your magazine changes. And uh, I'm very uh, I'm very adamant about it. Make sure that you are rehearsing your magazine changes and getting used to uh, getting used to making the mag changes without looking at them. All right, and uh, even if you're uh, even if you're doing a uh, an M1 Garand, you can put the end block in, and then you can pop the uh, block release, and it'll shoot the whole. Uh, the whole in block out, and you can do it again. And then you can pop it out. You can do it again. And you can uh, get good enough at it that you can put it in, shut the bolt without stripping off around, lock the bolt to the rear, uh, press the release, and catch it in your hand. You can put the rounds in your FKS by putting, taking them off the stripper, shooting the uh, 10 rounds off the stripper clip into the uh, magazine there, and then you can work the bolt ten times and strip them all out. You can take your uh, M14, and uh, you know if you guys have the M14s, you know it takes a little bit of practice because you've got to put the mag in so it catches up at the front, and then rock it into place and lock it. All right. If you don't rock it into place and lock it, then uh, then when you let go of the mag and put the rifle to your shoulder, and it just kind of falls back out. So make sure that you are becoming familiar with all of the uh, all of the rifle systems that you're using. I see the folks in the, the chat room are talking about the crickets, and uh, Tecris says crickets are wicked accurate, light, small, balanced, nicely, and a ton of fun. They are, they are, and I bought uh, my daughter one. They're actually uh, they're actually very safe rifles to have, too, because they make them now with a key lock and everything else. Uh, and I actually enjoyed shooting it. The only thing, of course, with me is I'm jaded now, and, and putting that one round in at a time was, was killing me. All right? But uh, but they are very, very accurate. They're very well made, and uh, and I, I think it's a great first rifle 
for a uh, for a young kid because they're they're made very they're made for small frames small framed uh, folks. If you don't if you if they can't get a 1022 and even with a cut down stock, then a Cricut is certainly going to be a lot easier to fit their bodies. But even the Cricut, all right, you're going to want to make sure that uh, you're working the bolt, you're putting the round in, you're closing the bolt. And and if this is a kid doing it, I'm going to tell you right now, never, ever, ever let your child handle a firearm without you standing right there, right on top of them, uh, and making sure that they are safely handling the firearm. All right? Never, ever, ever. And by a kid, I mean 21 and under. I was... I was under 21 at one time, and uh, I could have benefited from somebody, uh, from an adult, standing over me every time I had a firearm, all right? Uh, I'm not going to say that I was uh, unsafe, but I'm saying I did some things that that I didn't know how dumb they were because I wasn't an adult yet, all right? But any rifle system, uh, part of your dry firing program, is going to be making sure that you know how to feed it. And uh, I don't just mean technically know how, having read the book and said, okay, I know that this goes here, this goes here. What I mean is becoming so familiar with it and becoming intimate with it so that you can do it smoothly and quickly and without looking at the rifle. And that takes a great deal of practice. And and the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. And... uh, and you'll end up developing muscle memory that will help you with it. Now, whenever folks are shooting at events, one of the things I always tell them is, I don't care how many rounds they get on the target, uh, how many rounds they how many rounds they fire in the course of fire. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about are how many of the rounds are in the black of the target, and so I, I never try and rush folks to make sure that they get all ten rounds off uh, in a course of fire, because the one thing that uh, that I know is that speed will come. Speed always comes. All right. The more you do something, the faster you get at it. But accuracy uh, that takes some work. So I tell the folks never get uh, upset about uh, not expending all the rounds in a course of fire. I would much rather see one round in the black than having them have all ten rounds off. If you uh, if you're shooting at a rhinoceros and you have a beta mag, if you shoot uh, 200 rounds all around that rhinoceros, the rhinoceros really isn't going to care. It could care less that you're standing there popping off 200 rounds all around him. He could care less. What he will pay attention to is when that one single round pops right between his eyes. Then it'll go down, all right? So I would much rather have the one round in the black than ten rounds all around the target like a shotgun. Speed will come. The same thing with your working your rifle platform, changing your mags, etc. Speed will come. The more you do it, the faster you'll get. 
so that you can eliminate the magazine changes as a problem during some of the uh, the magazine change courses of fire. Because if <clears throat> if uh, changing your mag during a course of fire is no different, uh, or if it presents uh, no more of an impact than changing your natural point of aim. If you got it down to that, then uh, then you've got uh, then you've got it down. <clears throat> All right. Uh, let's see. We've got a caller here. Area code seven six zero five zero zero. You're on the air. Seven six zero five zero zero. You're on the air. Well, hello, Scout. Hey, who's this? Oh, this is Justin. Justin. Well, hey, Justin, welcome to the show. What do you got? Oh, I didn't have anything. I was just sitting here listening, and the next thing I know, you're uh, <laughs> you're saying my number. Uh-huh. So I, All right. So I, so I figured I wouldn't be rude, and I would just at least say hello. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. Well, listen, you've been listening to what we've been talking about, right? You know what? I just got back on in the last uh, five minutes. Uh, okay, we well, I'll bring about, up the speed uh, real quick. We were talking about uh, we're yeah we're talking about uh, dry firing, uh, the things that you can do to keep your skills honed uh, when you can't make the range. So do you have any uh, uh, you have any tricks of the trade that you use uh, when you're at home to to keep your to keep your skills up to date? Well, you know what? Probably everyone else says this, but I like to sit at the end of my hall. And I like to look down the hall, and I look at like to look at the ground wire of the little uh, ground wire plug of, of the plug on the back side of the wall, and kind of uh, dry practice on that. Right. And and then as far as uh, you know, I was listening to you talk about uh, magazine changes and speed comes in time. That you know that's definitely not something you have to do at the range. That's definitely something you can uh, you can just put a magazine in, take it out, put the next magazine in, and just rotate two magazines until your hands fall off. And by then, you you pretty much got it. Right, and I do that. Uh, I do that with uh, with all of my firearms. All right, I do it with my rifles. I do it with all the different rifles. I do it with my shotguns. I do it with all of my pistols. I make sure that I I know. What the magazine feels like when it's in the when it's oriented correctly to go into the magwell, and then I put it in. And I do this with empty magazines and a safe firearm when I'm at the house. And then if I have a rifle that uh, that it's a little bit harder to do or that I don't have the dummies for, like uh, with the M1 Garand, what I'll do is during my course of shooting is I'll do it down at the range, and I'll either be sitting on the back of my truck or I'll just have a chair sitting there and I'll just be putting in blocks in, uh, full in blocks or partial in blocks or single rounds, etc. And then popping them back out. And uh, this is all part of your of your dry firing program. The things that you can do at home uh, to make sure that you are keeping your skills home. Because what I was talking about at the beginning of the program is that uh, that Nobody makes it to the range as much as they would like to, uh, except for oh, I can't remember the guy's name. You know the speed shooter? Uh, he's uh that's all Lucky he does him, every single know? day. Uh, you know him. he shoots every single day, so he goes to the range I guess as much as he wants to. 
but uh, but he's the exception. Uh, everybody else doesn't go as often as they would like. You know, and shooting is a perishable skill. So what the, there are different things that you can do to try and make sure that you keep your that you're keeping your skills honed and that you're working on uh, mastering the skills. And uh, I talked about uh, getting into your positions, getting into the different positions that you shoot in. And uh, for apple seed, of course, we get folks to get into the seated, get into the prone, and you stay in that position uh, for just a, a few moments, uh, and then you get back out of it. You keep doing that over and over until you have uh, you reach a, memory. a point where you've gotten where you can be sustainable and repeatable, not comfortable, but sustainable and repeatable. How's your sitting position? No, you know I say that all the time. Comfortable is not a steady hold factor. Right. <laughs> uh, right, because, and, that, and here's why: because if you, you, it's not just something that we don't want people to say. It's because, uh, because if you say get to a comfortable position, the folks might actually be in in the right position, but because they don't feel comfortable, they're going to think that they're doing it incorrectly. So that's why we exactly. tell we don't tell tell folks not to say comfortable. Yeah, you know, and I, I think you really hit it with the uh, the the every firearm you you own. You you might become really proficient with uh, you know changing the magazines out of uh, say a ten twenty two or something like that. But once you get on an AR platform, everything you know it's a little bit further out, or it's you know the hole's a little bit different, and you know, and it, I don't know. I think at, at, once you build proficiency with uh, maybe one one rifle, I think. Uh, once you start doing different rifles, I, you know, in even going into the world of, of other, you know, magazine loads, once you, uh, you know, can proficiency with one, I think that's transferable to a point that, uh, you know, you work five or ten minutes with it, and I, and I think you'll be there with everything. So, you know, right. and just like right. what you're you'll talking about. You'll need to learn some of the things right. that are specific to that specific platform, but it's not, it's not going to be a whole lot different than uh, language. You know, if you learn Spanish – and you master Spanish, then you're going to be well on your way to mastering French, uh, you know, and then Portuguese. And it's a lot easier to learn any of the rest once you've learned the initial one. The same thing with uh, doing your mag changes and working your action, et cetera, stuff like that. And uh, once you have once you have trained your muscles on what they're supposed to be looking for, because that's essentially what you're doing. You're saying, here's what you're going to do. You're going to look for the correct orientation of the magazine for that specific rifle. So every time you, when you change a platform, all you're doing is you're just telling uh, your body now, look for the correct orientation of the 10.22 for the Ruger 10.22 rifle, the 10.22 magazine for the 10.22 rifle. So you reach down, you feel of it, you feel the flat part on your front fingertips, you feel a little teat on your thumb, it goes into the rifle, you rock it into the the magazine well until it locks, and then for me, for the extraction. I slide my thumbnail. I don't have an extended extractor because I don't. I don't like that. I like it just uh, regular. I send my my thumb uh, with a thumbnail touching the uh, the magazine extracting slot. I press in, and it pops the mag out. And I very rarely have any trouble, even with uh, even with trouble rifles, because I've done it so many times that I know what it takes to. To pop a mag out, even in you know in a trouble rifle, or get the ma- a mag in and lock. So, 
And then if I switch to the to the AR, the same thing. All I'm telling myself is you're going to do the same thing now, but you're just all you're doing is you're looking for a little bit different. You're going to look for the rail on the back of the uh, uh, of the AR mag. You're going to uh, uh, put it into the slot. You're going to either work the uh, action or, for me, so a lot of times I'll take my support hand and pop the mag release. Uh, some people will reach over the rifle and pop the uh, the mag release, but uh, but your your body understands what you're doing. You're making a mag change, and all it is is going to be different for the different uh, uh, platform that you're using. And I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, a, a lot of the shooters they they get down and they spend a lot too much time uh, doing the mag change and. It's for the two reasons, uh, lack of familiarity, and then when they actually get, uh, you know, that nervous place. I was at a shoot last weekend, and the individual, uh, no one had, uh, she missed the part where someone said there was a time limit, and she got all the rounds off. No problem with the mag change and the whole, you know. And then someone told her there was a time limit the next time, and you could kind of see a little, a little nervousness, a little shake to it, and just couldn't do it. So I uh, yeah it it's it's somewhere between uh familiarity and uh and confidence and that's right. definitely built that's definitely built by uh uh repetitiveness. And then right. and the, that's the, where uh, you pop in the you pop the tactical breathing in to the folks in their prep right before stage 2 and 3 you get them to tactical breathe in their prep getting themselves into the rifleman's bubble and if they do that tactical breathing exercise then they're going to be centered and focused as they enter stage two and stage three. It's not going to work perfectly the, on everybody, but that's why I'm saying no. it's part of your uh, dry fire program. You know, it's to practice and learn how learn the tactical breathing exercise, so that you can apply it uh, when you need it. If you need it before the stage, if or after, or wherever you need it, you can apply the tactical breathing and uh, insert it into your program wherever you need it. And then the positions. Um, you know, that's going to be the same thing. I would almost like to give somebody a single shot if it's their first time out and have them break that position every time and regain natural point of aim or, or in find their natural point of aim and put it back on the, into the, uh, the black every time just so that they can get that, again, that repetitiveness is going to, uh, it's going to create a, you know, uh, um, a familiarity, and they're going to be closer and closer every time once they know how to their body orientation, their rifle orientation, and the geometry to the target. Right, and uh, I agree. Except the only thing I would say is I, I usually don't do it in the beginning because uh, it's a, usually it's a hard enough time just getting them to uh, determine their NPOA and shift it onto the target, etc., without breaking their position. But once you've learned it, then yes, then, uh, then, and of course, uh, I'm not saying that your way is uh, uh, is any better well, or know, worse than what I'm talking about. I'm just saying that usually I, I prefer to get them to try and to try and make sure that they have the techniques down before I start making them break their position every time. No, this is this is more like a perfect world scenario. If, if there was an extra day in the weekend or something like that, I'd love to see that. You know, right. Yeah, that's not right. something that I do. We just don't have the time and, you know, to to do that sort of thing. You have to concentrate on, you know, just uh building the fundamentals and let them do it by themselves. No, if there but, uh, if, if you you're right, if there was a uh, if you could just have somebody get down into 
position with a lever action or a bolt action or something like that or a single action rifle, I mean a single shot rifle, then yeah, once they once they have learned how to do that, break their position every time and get back uh, and uh, and bring their natural point of aim back on the target, then yeah, then that's certainly going to teach them. If they can keep their group together uh, every time they after they break their position, then that definitely uh, is an indication that they understand what uh, natural point of aim and how to shift it onto your target is. But going yeah, going back into uh, the your theme. Uh, dry fire or dry practice, that's something you could do sitting at home. You could break that position every time um, and then establish MPOA, shift MPOA every time. And that could be right. part of that practice program or that dry fire. I just don't like to say the fire word over and over. I, I, right. I prefer the, the dry practice. Dry practice. Well, as long as I'm not on the firing line, I'm, I'm, I'm use it willy-nilly. But uh, – the other thing that uh, I'll talk about real quick, too, is whenever you are in Stage 2, Stage 3, 1, 4, whatever, once again, I, I know that a lot of people uh, would like to say or sometimes confuse what I'm about to tell you with uh, gaming, but I don't consider it gaming, and that is pre-placing your mags, all right? Because here's the thing, wherever you are, whatever you're shooting, uh when your rifle runs dry, you're going to need another magazine, and you're going to need to get it in the easiest possible way without breaking your position, right? It doesn't matter what you're shooting. You're always, at some point, you squeeze that trigger enough times, you're going to run dry. You're going to have to put in another mag. So, so why not teach yourself, if you're in a prepared position, uh, like in Stage 2, Stage 3, or Stage 4, why not make sure that you know where that mag is? So what I... What I tell people is whenever you're doing your prep, when you're working out your position, etc., you take that mag, you put it in to the, you touch it to where the magazine well is. You don't put it in your rifle during prep, right? That's uh, one of the safety rules. Do not load until given the load command. But you take the mag and you hold it to where your magazine well is with your firing elbow planted just like you would when you're ready to fire. Then you take the mag without moving your elbow or anything else, and you put it back on the ground with it oriented in the right position. Okay? Yeah, building the nest. You build right. the nest. So that yep. way, whenever, you, whenever your rifle runs dry, you pop the mag out. Without even, without even having to look at it, your arm comes down, and it finds the magazine right where it's supposed to be. Then it comes back up, put the mag in, work the bolt without breaking, well, with breaking your position in the least uh, amount possible. So... That's another thing that we want folks to, to work on, is making sure that whenever you have to get that second mag, make sure you're not laying on it or that, uh, or that it has rolled five feet away or, or anything else. Make sure it's right there where you're, gonna, where you're going to be able to take your hand and put it right down there on it and get it into the rifle. Make sure that, you have, uh, uh, that you've worked out how you're going to do this, that you practice your magazine changes and you practice picking them up and putting them down uh, without having to uh, to do a lot of looking around for them. You can do this in your prep, all right? You can do this at home, too, just like uh, Justin was saying. Whenever he, whenever he does his, he gets to the end of the hallway and he does that. Now, you can be in your prone position, and you can be practicing the same thing. Put the mag in, take the mag out. Put the mag in, take the mag out. And each time you take it, put it in and take it out, you're laying it down right where it's supposed to go or in the correct way. So that when your hand comes down, you grab it, and you pick it up, and you put it back in. 
and I agree. I agree with you. I, I don't think this is gaming, and and the reason I don't think is gaming. I'm, I'm sure you've heard the term uh, "brass the grass," or you know, it, it, I, if you're walking around and, and you're hunting and you if you're using a um, a rifle with a magazine or whatever, you're not going to put the other magazine deep in the bottom of like the backpack you're carrying. You're just not going to do that. You're going to put it. You're going to pre-stage it to where you're going to use it. So all, all you're doing by teaching, you know, putting your magazine where it goes, is you're, you're, you're teaching them regardless of if they're hunting or if they're uh, target shooting. Um, it, it doesn't matter where they are. That you're going to put your magazine somewhere you can get to it, and not only where you can get to it, but uh, the uh, the magazine is in such a familiar way that there's muscle memory. As soon as you touch it, you already know which direction the magazine is pointing, which direction the bullets in the magazine are pointing, and then that way you can just get it right back in. Nice fluid motion. Right. Now, I saw one of the guys in the uh, chat room talking about uh, the cricket. And uh, this you can do this with any single shot. One of the things that I do when I have the folks with the the single shots uh, on the line, a lot of times I'll just take a piece of duct tape, wrap it into a tube so that it's about uh, oh, four inches long and it's uh, sticky all the way around. Put that on the side of the stock, just forward of the trigger, and then I'll take the individual 22 shells and push them, uh, stick them into the tape uh, at like a 45 degree down, facing away from the shooter, and then uh, they're all lined up there. So he takes a round off the tape, puts it in, fires it, works the bolt, grabs the other round from the sticky tape right in front of him, and... Uh, and that gives them, uh, you know, a little bit of a speed. They don't have to look down to see where the next round is. It's stuck right there on the, on the stock of the rifle. And I, and I've seen somebody do it, and it, it was the most amazing thing. And he uh, he was shooting a single shot bolt action rifle, and he shot well into the high two thirties with that. And there was, how do you do it? How do you do it? And he just he he had such a foundation, a natural point of aim, and muscle memory and repetition for so long. He was just able, you know, just just to pull that off like it was nothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw uh, uh, Wild Man at Ramsher shooting his uh, 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 1903, and uh, he certainly had the technique down, too, and uh, he could certainly finish all the stages with time to spare and uh, and do it in period costume, too. So... (laughs) So you can do it, but the only way you're going to do it is by making sure that you understand your rifle system and then by rehearsing it and practicing it. And once again, let me get my disclaimer in. This isn't, uh, you're not gaming. Uh, you're teaching yourself how to run your particular platform. You're teaching yourself well, yeah. how to run your, your rifle. Like I said, you're not going to stick your magazine in the palm of your backpack. You're going to replace it. It doesn't matter if you're shooting an AQT or if you're walking around in the woods. Exactly. So no, you're not gaming it. I agree. Right. If you're uh, if you're sitting in your uh, deer stand, if you're sitting in your deer stand with uh, your single shot rifle, I imagine if it was my deer stand, I'd take a, a, a portable drill out there and I would drill uh, four or five holes in the uh, in the two by four right above my shooting slot, and uh, I would have my four additional rounds slid into those holes. Something. 
so that uh, I was able to make the next uh, shot that I need to make without having to fumble around or reach in my pocket for the next round, etc. This is just what you do when you're shooting. You you learn how to quickly and efficiently make your reloads. <clears throat> so that's what uh, that's what I would like to make sure that everybody understands or brings away from from the show tonight, and that is that dry firing is not just squeezing the trigger on an empty chamber at home, all right? Dry firing is a whole program that you take with you from the range, and you work this program in your home. The program includes everything that you're going to do at the range except firing a live round. Well, also loading a live round. You're not going to load a live round, and you're not going to fire a live round, all right? Let's make that perfectly clear. You're going to do this uh, in a completely safe fashion. Matter of fact, you don't need any live ammunition in the room where you're not at. even in the same room. Yep. Yep. I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the schools now actually make people sign uh, uh, sign contracts that say they promise not to have live ammunition in the room that they're uh, that they're practicing in. So <clears throat> you're going to do everything that you do at the range except load a live round and fire a live round. Other than that, you're going to do every single thing you're, that you're going to do at the range. You're going to get into your position. And if it's a position is new to you, then you're going to get into it for just a few minutes uh, or just a few seconds. But you're going to keep doing this until that position becomes a sustainable, repeatable position. Not a comfortable position, a sustainable and repeatable position. And uh, if you can't get into... Uh, any of the ones that is that have been shown to you, then you're going to modify it. You're going to modify the position until it is the best position that you can get into. And the way that you're going to do this is by repetition. Now, the first few times you get into that seated position, uh, you may not be able to get into anything close to what you saw at an event. First time you get into the prone, it may be the same thing. You may not be able to pull that trigger leg up. But I guarantee you that no matter what your uh, – uh, okay, let me retreat that. I'm not going to say no matter what your body problems are, <laughs> because uh, because I've, I've I've already seen a couple of places, uh, I've already seen a couple of things where this wasn't right. I remember the one okay, time you'll find, you'll find somebody to make a liar out of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I remember one time Fred kept uh, kept tapping this guy on the head and telling me he was dragging wood, and the guy wouldn't say anything, but he kept doing it until finally the guy. Took his hand out of the uh, out of the trigger guard, and he only had like a little inch long finger on the you know <laughs> the trigger finger, and said, "Fred just goes, oh okay." So so it's not going to be just anything uh, that you can overcome, right? But if it's just because you haven't done it in a while, you're going to see that after you do it uh, over and over, that you're going to extend the range. Uh, the length of time that you can stay in the position and that you're going to extend uh, the range of motion that you have. You're going to be able to pull that trigger leg up higher and higher until you get it to uh, into the correct position. It may take a while. It may take uh, a month or two months or three months, but eventually it'll get to where it's supposed to be. But it won't get there by wishing it. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to rehearse it. So you're going to get down in the position, uh, for the length of time that you can sustain it, then you're going to get back out. You're going to do that uh, two or three times a week. You're going to you do it in the prone, in the seated, and in the standing. Now, the standing is no different other than 
Uh, most people can get into the standing position, but most people can't hold the rifle up for very long in the standing position. Now, I'm going to tell you two things about this. The more times you do it, the better you're going to get at it, just because it's 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 no different than lifting weights, right? Now, it may not be much weight you're lifting with the rifle, but if you do it over and over, then your body is going to adapt to it, and it's going to build muscles that it takes to hold that rifle up better. Now, if you want to get if you want to get it even faster, then get you something heavy, and 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 practice picking that up. Practice doing curls and push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups so that your upper body strength and your arms are strong. Get you one of those rubber uh, circles and use that in both of your hands to make your to uh, to strengthen the muscles in your hands. The stronger your hand muscle is, the better you can use it to uh, to hold a uh, have a firm grip on your rifle and to be able to control your trigger squeeze. If you're having to really put a lot of oomph into that hand and into that uh, trigger finger to get it to to firmly pull to the rear, that means that that trigger finger is not as strong as you need it to be. All right? Do something about that. Uh, you can do isometric exercises just sitting there right now at your desk. You can take your hand and uh, curl your, your uh, trigger finger around your thumb and then pull away, and then pull it back. Do that over and over until that trigger finger has become muscular enough now that you can control your trigger squeeze. If you have a strong trigger finger, you can control your trigger squeeze. You know, it's no different than uh, if you if you, you were just using your thumb and your finger to try and squeeze an egg until it broke. Uh, if, you hadn't, if you hadn't done that very often, then... Uh, you might sit there and end up with your hand shaking and trembling and, and, and your whole arm flexed in order to get enough oomph to crack the egg. You get a strong thumb and a forefinger, and then you can sit there and smile with a cup of tea in one hand, sipping it, and that egg will just snap in two without any of the rest of your body moving. That's the same thing that you're going to do to get your hand, your muscle strong enough to get a good trigger squeeze. <clears throat> so in standing, you're going to practice your standing position, holding the rifle up, bringing it down. And you're going to have practice keeping your eye on the target whenever you, uh, when you bring the rifle down. You're going to practice bringing the rifle up to your cheek rather than searching down for the rifle with your head. All right? You're going to stand there facing the target when you come up to the target standing. You're going to orient approximately 90 degrees to the target, then keeping your, your whole body straight, and uh, and your spine erect as if somebody was uh, keeping your body straight and erect by holding onto the top of your head and pulling it up, you're going to bring your rifle up to your cheek in that position. Then you're going to chicken wing, bring the rifle up to the target, and squeeze the trigger once your sights are on the target. And you're just going to keep practicing this until it becomes second nature. Whenever you bring the rifle off of the target, you're going to keep your eyes on the target. That way you don't have to reacquire the target uh, every time you bring the rifle off the target. But if you're going to rest, you can break your position slightly, bring the, the sights off the target, keeping your eye on the target. And then whenever you bring the rifle back up into your line of sights, into your line of sight, uh, reacquire the target, and then squeeze the round off. You're going to practice doing that in your standing. 
You're going to practice getting into your sitting. You're going to practice getting into your prone. Once you're in those positions, you're going to practice executing the shot by the six steps. <clears throat> you're going to practice uh, determining your natural point of aim and shifting it onto the target until it becomes second nature. Now, uh, your next step on this could be putting up multiple targets, getting a sheet of paper or getting an AQT or a red coat and taping it to the wall right there where that, uh, that target is and practice making your shifts in between targets. All right? You can do this, uh, uh, you can do this very easily uh, in your own home, in the comfort of your home, in your home, and in your pajamas if need be. And uh, you can do this for hours on end. And I'm telling you, if you want to make sure that the next time you go to uh, an Appleseed event, you want to make sure that you shoot the rifling standards, then, then spend two nights a week, three nights a week doing your dry fire program. All right? That's going to guarantee that you're going to uh, – improve your skills, and and begin to master the techniques required to shoot the rifle standards. This is what you and, have to do. And building the positions correctly. Perfect practice makes perfect. You can do the, uh, the wrong thing, and you can do the wrong thing a million times, and you get used to doing that wrong thing, and that's just another bad habit break. Right. Now, wait, wait, uh, that by me again now? Uh, oh, perfect! Uh, building the positions correctly, making sure that that you know. Uh, I, I always say that we only see what we want to see, you know. And and sometimes that's why we we take somebody to the range with us because we only see what we want to see. We think that what we're doing is is perfect and correct. And in in all reality, someone uh, from above can actually look and say, you know what? I know that you think your elbows under the rifle, but it's not really. I know. That oh you yeah, think- you're talking about working with a partner. Well, not only working with a partner, but ensuring when you're when you're dry firing or 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 dry practicing that you're building the position correctly. Right, right. That when when you're getting in the, these positions, you're you're doing it correctly instead of uh, practicing bad habits. Right. Well, I certainly agree with that, and and that is no different. When you build a uh, when you build a correct firing position, it's no different for you. Than when you're doing the when you're executing the shot by the six steps, when you're building uh, a steady, a properly supported firing position, you need to do it by the steps, just like you're executing the shot by the six steps. You go through, you go around your body, and make sure that uh, that each of the steady hold factors uh, that you're doing it correctly, um, and you don't do you don't skimp on that, you don't cheat on that any more than you cheat on the uh, on executing a shot by the six steps because <clears throat> there's no way without a uh, without a supported without the correct supported shooting position then all of the rest of your work is for naught. If you do not have a steady shooting position, then then the rest of your stuff is just uh, uh, Russian roulette. All right. So yes, make sure that uh, make sure that when you're building your positions, that you're building them properly, that you're paying attention uh, to the steady hold factors and and run it by the numbers, uh, at least in the beginning. Run it by the numbers. Make sure that you're, you start at the muzzle, work around your body, and end, up, end back up at the muzzle. Make sure that you've gone through all of the steady hold factors when you're building your position in each of the positions. Make sure that you're, you're doing it by the numbers. And uh, after a while, 
You won't have to go by the numbers. You'll know that if something's out of place, as as your muscle memory builds, as you become more familiar with the positions, your muscle memory will build. And that includes being familiar enough with the position. When I get into the seated position or the prone now, I know, my body knows. I don't have to know. My body knows where it's right. Uh, I know where everything fits. I know where everything is supposed to be touching and it's a familiar position so that I know that if something is out of whack, I know where my elbow goes. I know where uh, my one foot touches uh, the bottom of the other leg. I know where my thumb goes on my face. I know where my cheek goes on my rifle. I know where my hand goes on the stock. You do this enough, and that becomes familiar territory, and you get muscle memory of it. So whenever they give you the uh, the fire command, you drop down into the seated. You don't, you're not having to sit there and say, is this right, or work it out or wiggle it out, because it's like dropping into a glove. There's no, uh, there's no place to go but into the right position because it's part of your muscle memory. That's the whole thing about rehearsing and practicing, you know. But, yes, as you're building it, uh, you need to make sure that you are building it by the numbers, a uh, a buddy of mine uh, likes to tell a story uh, about a uh, champion marks marks uh, match shooter, and he get you know he's won the match and he's shot a near perfect score, and they uh, and they ask him, uh, you know, uh, did, uh, did you know you were going to win? And he says yes, and, and, and they say, well, how did you know that? He says, well, the night before, I was uh, in the hotel room and I practiced the the entire match and I did it perfect then too. Well, you brought up an excellent point, which is something I meant to say in the beginning, and I and and I lost it in my train of thought. All right, <clears throat> but whenever I'm talking to folks about their prep, when I'm explaining what the prep uh, is for and why they why they have it, that's it exactly. And once again, let me give my uh, my gaming disclaimer uh, because we're going no matter where you go. Uh, whatever, where you shoot, what you shoot, it doesn't matter, all right? You're always going to have different things you're going to have to do to make the shot. I don't care if you're sitting in your deer stand and you see three hogs and you go, okay, I, I want to get all three, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start on the far left one. I'm going to pop him. I'm going to shift to the middle one, pop that one, and I'm going to go to the third on the far right. I'm going to pop that one. I'm going to do it really quick before they can figure out what's going on. All right, so then you sit down and you start working through it and you rehearse that. That's the same thing that you're going to be doing for your prep. I tell folks, don't waste your prep period. Your prep period is for you to rehearse what you're going to do so that you're not having to try and figure out, what do I do next? What do I do next? You are going to rehearse the whole thing. If you're in stage two, you're going to drop down into the seated. You're going to build a steady, supported position in your seated position. You're going to uh, reach forward. You're going to take the safety off. You're going to put the mag in. You're going to work the bolt, and you can do that in, in the reverse order. But I always tell folks, if you don't practice this during your prep period, you're going to mess it up. In stage two, uh, we don't uh, transition with a loaded rifle. So you're going to have to put a mag in. You have to work the bolt and take the safety off. If you don't practice that, if you leave any one of those out, then you're going to be sitting there squeezing the trigger, and nothing's going to happen, and the clock is going to continue to tick. So you have to rehearse so that you know what you're going to do. You're going to drop down into your seated position. 
You're going to get the correct position. You're going to put the mag in. You're going to work the bolt. You're going to take the safety off. Then you're going to get your natural point of aim. You're going to shift it on the target, and you're going to begin your course of fire. You're going to fire two rounds because don't try and get a third round out of a two-round mag. Once again, you're going to be sitting there squeezing on that trigger, and nothing's going to happen, and the clock is going to tick. So you're going to fire those two rounds. You're going to eject that magazine. You're going to put another round in, and guess what? You're going to work the bolt because you've got to work the bolt to put a round in. If you don't work the bolt, you're going to squeeze the trigger, and nothing's going to happen, and the clock is going to tick. So <clears throat> make sure uh, make sure that you are rehearsing each of the stages, even in stage four. You have plenty of time to do it, but you don't waste your prep. You get you build a supported prone position. You get your NPOA on the first target. You fire the two rounds. You you in your mind you fire them. And then you're going to move to the second target. You're going to do a, a good natural point of aim shift. You're going to fire those two rounds. You're going to move to the third target. You're going to fire three rounds. Move to the fourth target. You're going to fire four rounds. And you rehearse that during your prep so that you understand what you're going to do and you're committing it to your short-term memory for the shoot and you're building up your long-term muscle memory. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Justin. Oh, no, I was going to say, that, and, and exactly, that's perfect practice, doing it exactly the same way you would do it every time. And when you're on the range, for every, for every live shot you're firing, you're firing at least one practice shot. And when you're at home, you're obviously not firing live shots. So, you know, in, in, in all reality, you should probably have, a, you know, 10 or 20 to 1 every time you actually fire one round. You should have 20 exactly. practices. And let me just re- let me reiterate what Justin just said, which is do not shoot live ammunition in your home, okay? <laughs> I don't want anybody but, to think that in any way we ever said shoot a hole in your house because that's not what we're saying. We're saying no, just the opposite. No. Make sure that you are starting with no ammunition in the room. Make sure that you check every magazine three or four times. If you've got a partner in there, hand the rifle to them. And, and let them uh, ensure that there is not a round in the chamber and that all the magazines are empty. Then check theirs, all right? And then begin your dry fire program. Uh, but everyone right, has uh, that. Oh, go sorry. ahead. Go ahead. Everyone has that tendency once they get on the range. Just oh, I'm on the range. I've got life. I can finally do some live fire. Here I go, and they forget to do their their dry fire, their dry practice. It should be one to one, one practice shot for every real shot. Right. It, it should be one to one. As long as that first initial dry fire that you round round that you fired was correct, if you correct. squeeze that first round that dry fire round off, and that sight moves, then you don't you don't fire a live round. You fire another dry fire, and if it moves again, then you fire another dry fire. And you know, once the sight stops moving, once you have squeezed that trigger and the sight didn't move a bit, it stayed on the target the whole time. Now you put a live round in and fire the live round. So, yeah, so if you're on stage one and you're in your prep time, you should have squeezed that trigger ten times before they say load. Exactly. Uh, okay, stay on the line, Justin, but I'm going to bring uh, uh, another caller on, and we're going to switch to uh, a different topic real quick. We're going to talk uh, some about promotions. Pippi, welcome to the show. Hi there. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm just fantastic. Where are you at, Tippy? 805? 
Um, this is California. California. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome to the show, and congratulations, guys, on the Corona 210. That was a bang-up job you guys did on that. And congratulations on the, your your whole yearly program. You guys are doing a great job. And uh, the call screener said you want to talk about promotions, so let's hear it. Um, well, he has the most I've... beautiful range in the country. Let me just say that say that right now. Oh, really? And we, need, we, we have a hard time getting IITs and instructors because we have so many homeschoolers that it can be hard to make those riflemen. But it's great because we have a ton of kids coming all the time. And well, the reason why we have all those kids is because we really promote to our homeschool community here. Um, and what, what I wanted to say about promotions was if each range could get somebody who, you know, wanted to be the dedicated promotions leader, um, it could be a blue hat, it could be an orange hat, it could be a red hat, it could be a green hat. I think we could get, get our lines filled a lot more. What are you guys doing there? Like, uh, well, like for kind your, of, I kind your of particular range as, that you're talking about. So I kind of took it as my baby. I started my Apple, uh, my my Facebook page. I, I uh, got in to a local network with the college kids here and uh, Santa Barbara Gun Club. And so we've got several of the college kids coming to Appleseeds and they tell more people about it. And then I found a local um, homeschool listserv. And rather than just sending an email to the homeschool leader, I actually got access to the listserv so that I can send out an email and it goes to everyone who signed up for the homeschool listserv. So it goes directly to the email boxes of all the families. And I, you know, put catchy titles like rifle safety and things that pertain, catch the eye of um, the homeschool parents. Oh, I want my kid to learn about that. And uh, we've had great success with that. And in addition to that, I, I provide my phone number. And I find that a lot of the homeschool parents like having someone to co contact to talk about the shoot. And a lot of them don't have rifles, so they have to coordinate loaner rifles um, in order to come. Right. But yeah, I found that, that. I found personal, that with the... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dee. Oh, I was just going to say having that personal contact that they can ask all their questions to without bogging down national who can't provide that information because they don't know the instructors that are going to be there and they don't know the resources that will be available really helps the people make the commitment to pre-register and sign up. Right, and I've put my listen, I've put my phone number out all over everywhere and uh, and it it uh, for you folks that are worried about it, it it's not a. I have not found it to be a problem, and I've put my phone number out in front of millions of people already, and uh, and it's not a problem for me. But what uh, she no. just mentioned about the homeschoolers, I've I found particularly with homeschoolers that they need a phone number they could, because they're going to call you and they're going to talk to you. It's just, it's no different than uh, than if you were inviting their kids to go on a river trip or something. Uh, they're exactly. going to talk to you. They're going to want to talk to you. They're going to they're going to want to hear your voice and know that you're uh, that you're not yelling Sieg Heil and stuff like that. And 
and that you can explain what the course is about. And uh, and I, I enjoy speaking to the homeschooler folks because they're a great group of folks. They're folks that have uh, have taken a particular interest in ensuring that their children get a great education. So they're they're usually very uh, uh, excited about attending an event. Every person, every homeschooler who has called me has showed up at an event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had we've had a couple no shows just because sometimes people get sick or whatever. Kids kids can be unpredictable, but right. we get a lot a lot more shows than we get no shows with the homeschoolers. So, right, um, yeah, you're, the the and the homeschoolers there. I have I have had folks uh, one time call me and say that they couldn't come to that particular event because of a disciplinary measure, I believe it was. Right. Uh, well, and, and, and uh, that's the thing is when they aren't going to show up, they often call to cancel. Right. So you know what your numbers are going to be. Right. But yeah. but as a group, that the, the time spent with the homeschoolers has always been some of the most productive time I've ever spent as far as uh, – as getting a return on the time that you've invested in the promotions with homeschoolers, they seem to be uh, the group that's most uh, that, that is most likely to give you a return on your time. Absolutely. I mean, I send out you know one, two, maybe three emails leading up to the event, and I'll get you know four or five families coming to the event. And then they go back and they will email the homeschool list and say, this was such a great event, I highly recommend that everyone else go. And then we get more people. So, um, Another right, thing I like to do for promotions um, is at the event, I like to collect email addresses of the shooters that say that they would like to be informed of future events. And I know Eventbrite sends out automatic emails but sometimes a personal email, and uh, I like to send follow-up emails to all the shooters that uh, provide, like, some of the flyers that we have on the forum about where the after-action report is, um, about LTRs, about our, you know, surrounding shoots that are going to be coming up that they can take, they can go to, and letting them know if there's an RBC coming up or letting them know, uh, giving them stuff that they can give to their friends and family. And that right. that gets us more repeats and seven stepping because we're reminding them, and it's like, oh, another shoot's coming up, you know. But it's more personal than just the standard Eventbrite, which may go to their junk email. Right, and the the homeschoolers of the group. If you're thinking it's going to be hard to to get a hold of them, it's not because every state, uh, every almost every city, will have some type of a forum, some type of an information. Uh, dispersing area for the homeschoolers. They they are very organized. It's not like they're they're folks sitting out in the middle of nowhere teaching their kids to read by candlelight. Uh, they they have to be by by virtue of what they're doing. They have to be highly connected to all the rest of the groups. And they do this with uh, forums and homeschool uh, networks. So once you've broken into that, once you've gotten into a homeschool network then you're pretty assured of having at least a, a steady trickle, if not a good flow of homeschool folks coming to your program. Absolutely. And if 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 you you know, even 
with the uh, shooters that you get at your event, whether they're homeschoolers or not, if you start um, creating an email list so that you can follow up with them and can notify them of other events, I always let them know they can opt out of the email list. But um, the only people that have ever said, I want to opt out of this list after I've done it is, I'm moving to North Carolina. I'm not in the area anymore. And I said, great, get plugged into Ramser, you know. Right. So. Right. And uh, and don't be afraid. Uh, now, wait a minute. Let me just say one thing first to make sure I got this right. Did you say that uh, you were willing to do promotions for any of the states that called you? Is that what you told me earlier? Um, well, what I was saying was it, it would really I'm help just, each just place to have a, <laughs> have, a, have a local person that's near the range, the boots on the ground, that wants to take charge of that location and be the personal contact for that location and the personal promoter for that location. Now, I don't know much about the other ranges, and I'm not there, and I don't know the instructors that are going. I don't know the rifle resources that will be available for loaners, but... Uh, at every range across the state, but I do know what what's going to go on at my range, and I can I can uh, find out how many loaners we need, and I can contact enough instructors to make sure that we get loaners to match the number of people that are going to need them. Right, and let's Stuff make sure like that, that we that we we touch on that point again real quick, and the loaner point is because uh, what you said is. Uh, is very true, which is a lot of the folks in the homeschool program don't have rifles. All right. And and I've come on to a couple of instances where folks have shown up and they didn't have rifles and they didn't know that they needed them. They just uh they just showed up. Now luckily, uh here at uh at Davila we usually end up with a a big staff here and a, a large amount of loaner rifles. So we're able to cover it. But make sure in your discussions and your dealings with them, any printed info that you send out that you make that that you make the point clear is that they will need to bring rifles unless they contact you and you've set it up where you've personally talked to them and you've arranged for loaner rifles because you don't Absolutely. want them to show up and not have uh, not have the ability to shoot because that's going to be a definite downer. Absolutely yes. All my emails in uh, have big bold. Uh, cap letters that said, if you need a loaner rifle, you must contact me to pre-reserve one. You know, that they're right. not going to just be available when you show up. You have to pre-register and pre-reserve by contacting me. So whoever right. so sure that is, goes out on your, doing that. Yeah, make sure that goes out on your printed info and in your discussions with them. That you make sure they understand that they're going to have to. They can bring everything else. They can stop by Walmart and buy a bulk pack for each of the shooters. But if they need, if they do not have a rifle, they're going to need to, to pre-reserve the rifle and get that worked out before they get to the event. So absolutely, because we don't want we don't want uh, we don't want folks to have that disconnect. Because I've I have seen it uh, in a couple of times already, and folks not. Uh, not knowing, but they've never been exposed to shooting and stuff like that, so they don't understand that uh, that they need to bring a rifle with them or or have preparations made to have one loaned to them. Yeah, and when loaners are being made, it's really important to specify that they need to purchase ammunition as well. 
uh, because uh, a lot of people that are borrowing a rifle do not realize that they have to buy ammunition. So that has to always be specified whenever you're arranging loaners for rifles. Right, unless you're unless you're ready just to dole out uh, a thousand rounds or so at a time. Now, most of the folks that that are homeschooling, they'll have uh, they'll have uh, the funds to do this. But like uh, like she said, like I just told you too, is make sure that they understand the things that they're going to need to bring with them. Because uh, let me also say that I've had the homeschoolers show up, and they made arrangements ahead of time to have a rifle uh, that they could be loaned, but they didn't have any hearing protection or eye protection when they showed up. So that, had to, be, that had to be rounded up for them, too. So make sure that uh, make sure they, that they have a really good understanding of this. And the best way is, is making sure that they have your phone number so they can get in touch with you, uh, that you have this on your printed information that you're sending out or in your emails, and then let them know that uh, if they're coming to an event that you would like to speak with them. And uh, I always... Tell folks at the bottom of the emails that I send out, please feel free to contact me. Here's my phone number. Here's my email. And uh, feel free to contact me if you have any questions whatsoever about the event. And I welcome your calls. And, uh, I always like to direct them to the, um, the, the what to bring to an apple seed or how to prepare a website on apple seed because, you know, there are so many things, hearing protection, eye protection, sack lunches, a shooting mat, um, chairs to sit in, you know, your ammunition. It's a long list of stuff, and uh, I like to direct them to the website so that they can print it out and have their checklist of what they need to do. And homeschoolers are pretty good about being prepared if they have that in hand to go down the checklist and say, this is what I need. Right. So. Right. Uh, anything else you have on promotions? Um, no, just, just keeping in contact with the, the shooters, you know, get, get, getting their emails and keeping in contact with them um, after the event to get them to come back and come to future events and continue their seventh stepping. I'll, I'll send out an email to all uh, my previous shooters right before uh, election day and say, you know, make sure you get out there and do your seventh step and vote, you know. Right, but that's also a very important uh, point that you brought up there, and that is a great number of folks, they enjoy coming to the events, to the apple seeds, even folks that have shot to rifleman standards before, and they've gotten their patch, and uh, I'm not going to say that they're they're looking at it as a social event. I think they're just looking at it as another chance to get out and to help ensure that they are keeping their skills current. But what they'll do is with everybody's life, everybody gets involved in things and their life, life goes on. It speeds on. But when you send them an email saying, hey, I just wanted to remind you we're having another event at uh, such and such location on such and such a date, they say, oh, great, thanks. Yeah, I'd love to come to that. I, you know, I've been meaning to come to one, and I just keep forgetting to do it. And now you've reminded them, and now they're going to be on the line again. Exactly. Or great, my my dad's going to be in town that weekend, and I've really been wanting to, you know, get him to one of these. That'll be perfect. Exactly. All right. Well, folks, I want to thank everybody that called in. Pippi, thanks for your promotions tips. Justin, thanks for uh, for letting me drag you uh, onto the uh, on the line so we could talk about this. Remember that your dry firing program is going to be one of the most important parts of your shooting program. It's going to be the bulk of your shooting program. Make sure that you're working your dry firing program, that you have, have it set up, 
and that you're working uh, your dry fire program in between your trips to the range. Don't put your rifle and your rifle skills in the closet and let them both get rusty. All right, uh, be sure and tune in this next Thursday at 7 p.m. Central, and and we will see you then. Pippi, thanks. Justin, thanks. And uh, we'll see everybody again. Thank you, Thank you.